I'm so glad you're here today. For those joining us online, welcome. Glad you're here as well. Hey, without further ado, would you please welcome my good friend and one of the pastors on our team to the stage this morning, Gary House, Dr. Gary House. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And uh, as you've been walking through with me uh, and so many others about your 260 reading, uh, that's where we're going to go this morning. And uh, I'm going to invite you to join me in Mark chapter 10 and see some things in here. And we're going to look at a story that for maybe many of you, you might be familiar with and you might be aware of. And what I would like to do with you this morning is to be able to take what you gained perhaps out of your 260 reading of this story and summarize it together with you, okay? You say, and if I get to the end and I didn't mention the thing that stood out to you, keep it quiet. No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to know what I missed, okay? No, I'm kidding. I'd love to hear from you and additional things that there are. This story is going to be starting in verse 46, the end of the chapter. And it's about a man and that was unwilling to not get what he wanted and what he believed for. It's also recorded in Matthew chapter 20 and as well as in Luke chapter 18. But obviously since we're, our reading time is in Mark, that's what we'll use as our basis for that this morning. So let me read, follow with me. When they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm sure it was louder than that, but I didn't want to blow your eardrums. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, Cheer up. <laughs> what a word to say after they told him to be quiet. Uh, <laughs> they said, Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, came to Jesus Interesting question. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said. My rabbi, teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. A lot of stuff in there. And I pray that we can kind of catch some things from it that will be a blessing into our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, we've already welcomed you into this place, and we know you're here. Now, Lord, we ask for your revelation, your understanding, your guidance, and your wisdom and your knowledge, and invite you to pour that into our hearts. And, Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would reveal the truth that each of us need to hear for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
As I began to comb through this whole section of scripture, there's a lot of things that just kind of stood out to me. One of the things that I've been doing as I've been going through the 260 reading, I've just been freshly saying, Holy Spirit, I want to come with a blank slate as to my understanding and knowledge. And I'd really like to have some new, fresh things you want to show me. And so there's been a very fascinating time that I've enjoyed as I've been reading through the scriptures and finding little nuggets, little things, and so forth, some of which I've shared within our 260 group, and they say, huh? <laughs> and I said, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. <laughs> and, but sometimes the Lord just gives you a fresh understanding about something because it applies to you as to your life at the moment. And God will just give you that understanding, and you'll say, oh, I get it now. I see it. It makes sense. It may not make sense to somebody else because that's not where they're at, but it's where you're at. And God knows how to speak to you where you are at right now within your life. And that's a beautiful thing to watch the Lord do it. Jesus is traveling here. Let me give you the setting of it. He's traveling from Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi may not mean anything to you, but it's about 100 miles north of Jerusalem. So he's traveling here, and we find that starts in chapter 8, verse 27, and uh, goes through the end of this chapter when he arrives at Jerusalem. At this point in time of the scripture, the reading, we're in, he's in Jericho. There's differences of opinions. If he's coming into Jericho, he's leaving Jericho. He's uh, uh, trans, uh, moving between old Jericho and new Jericho. And if all that's confusing, then just wipe it out of your head, okay, right now, what I just said. But he's in Jericho area. And as he's coming there, it is not uncommon to be able to see people that are begging by the road. It was a rather common thing. And so they were doing that and hoping that somebody in their generous spirit or heart would give them something out of it and hoping that they could gain something. So it was a common thing to see. It would be very easy to see some people begging and just kind of, okay, and just keep right on going on. And in this situation, we find a man who comes along and he is begging. Now, we're told why, for him at least, was because of a blindness. So he couldn't work, couldn't go to sea, couldn't be there. We find later on at the end of the scriptures we read, he actually had seen at one point in time. And now he was blind for whatever reason. Again, we don't know. It's not given to us to understand that or in the, even the other portions of scripture. But he had been. So he's not working. This is his job, is begging. That's what he did. You know, if you could imagine... What that does to every part of you, it's not only a physical ailment that you end up having, but an emotional and mental one too, where the agony of saying, I got to beg, I gotta, and maybe somebody will, do, maybe they won't. Who knows what they'll do to me, and who knows what had done to this man along the way and over the period of time he'd been struggling with this. So there's a real thing about his life that is greater than just the physical inability to see. There was also the mental and emotional impact that all of this had had for however long he had been in this condition. And so here he is. And I have to ask myself as I look to this question, I'm just going to share with you some of the questions that came to me as I began to look at some of this. And I had to raise the question in my own self, Lord, how many times or how where have I come along 
and I've just kind of ignored somebody that's beside the road. I don't want to deal with it. They're kind of dirty. I don't want to get involved. All they want is my money. I mean, it's all kinds of thoughts that you can go along. But let me be a little more direct with us. How about the times that I ignored my neighbor next door? My family member? Can I real, get real personal? How about the person sitting next to me today? You know, sometimes it's easy to begin to kind of, you know, kind of put blinders on, as it were. So if I don't see that they have a problem right now, I don't have to deal with it. It won't interrupt what I'm out to do on my own. And therefore, I want to have to take time to do that. And because I don't want to take time to do that. Okay, getting quieter, good. It's going to get quieter. <laughs> but what are those circumstances that we might find that we would judge to be distasteful or something I don't want to get involved with? I'm not here to put heap guilt on anybody. I'm just raising some questions to think with me. What you need to do with that is you need to say, Holy Spirit, is there some truth in this for me? Okay, that's what you do with that. You don't sit there and say, oh, Gary's just kind of heaping it on me. Yeah, I should have done that. Yeah, there, there was a guy begging by the corner there, and I didn't stop and do anything. Let that go. You bring it to the Holy Spirit and say, what's your application of this? See, he knows each of us in our circumstances. We need to listen to him, not our guilt. Should I say that again? Yeah, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit and not our guilt. And we begin to respond to him and what he calls us to do and to be all about and allow him to lead us and guide us in it. So it's a common situation that they were facing. But let's talk about this man for a moment. Obviously, as we've already said, he's a beggar, the beggar Bartimaeus. But we wouldn't know about this man in the scripture had he not yelled, Right? I mean, it would have been one of the other people by the road. Here they are, and it would have been passed by. But he yelled for help. And it's fascinating to me that as he does so, and he cries out for this call to Jesus, that I have to look and say, Lord, are there people again in my life that are calling out? And I just kind of... You know, this kind of a thing of that. Not physically, maybe, and not overtly, but just in my heart. Oh, yeah, there comes so-and-so. <laughs> Let's go this way. <laughs> See, you're laughing. You relate with me, don't you? Okay, good, all right. That's enough said then. <laughs> but I want you to notice this guy hollers out. And I have to ask my, myself, what was the motivation within him? I mean, apart from the obvious, so the blindness, but what was the motivator inside of him that said, I should cry out now? There was something he understood, something he knew, something he'd heard that caused him to realize, 
I need to yell out to that guy there. And he begins to do so, much to the dislike of a lot of people. And notice what he says. He says, Jesus, son of David. What does that mean? That wasn't just a nice title and term. What he was saying was, Jesus, I recognize you as the coming Messiah. You're here, and therefore, you can do something to help me. And so he cries out, say, have mercy on me. Simple. Nothing big, nothing elaborate. Doesn't even ask to be healed. He says, I just want mercy into his life. And he begins to make that assertion. But then I'm intrigued, I really am, by the response of the crowd. Do you notice what they said? Be quiet! (laughs) Don't bother the master. Don't don't bother, don't leave him alone, okay? He's on a journey. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's been traveling for a bunch of days here and doing a bunch of stuff. He's tired, y'all. He doesn't need to respond to you. You're a beggar. Be quiet. In church, we're not quite as blunt. Have you prayed enough? Have you thought about reading your Bible? Have you gone for prayer? Do you tithe? Do you go to church regularly? I mean, all kinds of stuff that we can come up with, but it basically is saying, be quiet. Be quiet. Rather than coming alongside of somebody, putting an arm around them and say, wow, you're going through a lot of stuff right now. I, I, I can't relate with it, and perhaps you can't. Maybe you can. But I can't relate with where you're at right now, but I will do this for you. How can I pray for you right now? How can I pray with you right now? How can I support you? Man, do you know the wealth of help that is to people when they're going through all kinds of junk in their lives, physical, emotional, mental, relational, break up of marriage, family that's just seemingly dissipated and torn apart, physical ailments that seem to be beyond anybody's ability and so forth? I know Kathy and I, in, in our season of life right now, we, we face, we were counting it up within our two families, we have about 12 people that are facing critical physical ailments and situations, some with stage four cancer even. I'm not saying that for your pity or anything like that. I'm simply saying all of us have different things that we're dealing with, whether personal or those within our family, but we feel the weight of it. What would happen if the church comes along one another and just begin to say, what can I do to support you? How can I help you? How can I pray with you? Rather than trying to give them the answer that may not be the correct answer for them, but something that we begin to allow the Spirit of God to begin to flow out of us just to love on them. Love them into a relationship with the Lord says, I'm willing to stand with you. By the way, let me just offer a thought to you. Sometimes, you know, we come to church and we, somebody shares with us some of the things that's going on in their lives at the moment. And we come back and we say, well, I'll be praying for you. And about Friday comes. Oh, 
I was supposed to pray for that person. I'm not, again, I'm not hurling stones at anybody, so don't, don't catch them, okay? Don't, because you don't need to carry them around as a weight. What I'm wanting us to think, though, I want us to purposely think, how can I be a Christian that comes alongside of my brother and my sister and says, I'm willing to, as it were, hold up your arms and your hands because I know they're tired for what you're going through right now. And you've been coming to Jesus and you've been in prayer and so forth, but how can I hold up your arms right now? That's what I want to do. Because there's going to be a day when I need somebody to hold up my arms too. And I want to have sown that into being in the spirit so that when I need that, God will also supply that into my life as well. So we begin to begin to see and sow those seeds into one another. Besides that, let me in on a secret We're supposed to be community. That's another sermon, so we'll go uh, from there. So this man is yelling. The crowd is saying, be quiet. All those kinds of things are going on all the same time. How long do you think it took Jesus to hear this man's cry? I want to suggest to you he heard it the very first time he said it. I really do. Because that's Jesus. Okay? He hears us. He hears the cry of our heart out. He always does. And he comes along and you say, well, why didn't he respond initially? Well, there could be a lot of supposings in that. I don't want to even go there. But the point is the man decided, I'm not giving up. I don't care how long it takes, what it does, what anybody else has to say. I am crying out to Jesus because he's got the answer for me. He has the answer for me. So I'm going to keep crying out, and he does. And Jesus responds and says, bring him over here. Bring him over here. And then verse 50. That guy is sitting by the road, and he's sitting down. And what does he do? He takes off his coat, and he leaves his coat behind. Why is that important? So that you can see the whole full pass T-shirt I've got wearing on. No. (laughs) Why is that important? That was a point of identity. Okay, that was a point of identity. And before he was even healed, he leaves that identity. And he says, I'm going toward Jesus. Because Jesus has a new identity for me. You and I might understand that and know that and say, yeah, I'm a new creature in Christ. Amen. He may not have had that verbiage for him at that point in time. He just knew that if I get to that dude... He's going to do something for me that will change my life, and I will no longer be identified by this. That represented a beggar. He said, I leave behind. So I have to look at that, and I say, Lord, what are the things that I'm holding on to? And they've become my identity. And God, I need to let go of them and put put them behind and cling to Jesus and turn to him and say, I want Jesus more than that stuff anymore. Now, I'm not just only talking about physical things. 
Sometimes our fears, our anger, our hurt, our pain, the things in our lives that have occurred to us, been done to us or toward us. What are those things? Am I willing to let it go and leave it behind and say, I'm going after Jesus? Even if he does nothing for me. Because remember again, he was not healed yet. And he jumps up out of the chair and ends up making his way to Jesus. And it's only when he gets to Jesus that Jesus says, go. That's an interesting comment. <laughs> no, but he asks the question. He says, what do you want me to do? Very fascinating statement to me. Here's Jesus, all-knowing and aware of things. I believe, personally, I can't prove it from Scripture, so let me say that up front. But I really believe Jesus knew that he was going to intersect a man in Jericho that was blind and that would need him to minister to him. I believe he knew that already. But he comes along and this man cries out. Jesus responds and he comes to Jesus now. And Jesus says, so what do you want me to do? <laughs> it could almost be frustrating. What do you think I want you to do? I want to see. You know, I mean, duh. Hello. And sometimes we can feel a little bit with God, similar sense. Well, Lord, you know what I need. Yeah, he does. But how about we just say, Lord, I really need you to touch my heart because I've got such anger and such frustration inside there. I'm so fearful, God. I'm so uncertain about the future. God, I need help with that today. Just that honesty and openness to acknowledge to God, this is what I desire from you. Be specific with the Lord. Say, well, why, Gary? Let me give you one reason. It's not the only, but the one reason. And that is specific requests get specific answers, which yields to specific testimonies. It gives that forward. You can turn back and say, I prayed. God answered that prayer. God met that. And here's what, ha what the results were. And you can give honor and glory to God for that answer that he offers. So he comes along. Jesus, as I said, amazes me and all those kind of things. But notice what he says. <clears throat> he says, go, your faith has healed you. Now, nowhere before this does it say anything about him having faith. Now, obviously he did, but he didn't talk about it. And sometimes we get real hung up. And maybe not you, this may not be true of you, and I mean that sincerely. But it, we get hung up with saying, well, how much faith do you have? Well, maybe you need more faith. Let me suggest to you that God is not as much concerned with the amount of faith as what you do with the faith. Bring it to him. Quit worrying about measuring it. Just bring it to Jesus. Come before him. Here, Lord, I want to give this to you and allow a life change to occur into our lives. One of these things in here is it says in, in the verses, in verse uh, 51, or excuse me, 52, that immediately the man was healed. I love Mark, the Gospel of Mark. If you ever want to do a side study, Study the number of times that Mark uses the words immediately or instantly. 
you know, in there. He, he uses it more than anybody else of the Gospels itself. But look at that and then learn, see the context of it. So that's a side study that you can do sometime in your spare time around midnight or something like that. That way you can't sleep. <laughs> there you go. But I want to notice one more thing in here. And I think it, it, I didn't catch it when I was reading it recently or this last week. But I caught it as I was studying it. And that was in verse 46. It says in there, they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. So here he is, he's sitting. And we've already talked about the events that happened between that point of sitting. But notice verse 52, where it says that the second part of it, instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. There's a big difference between sitting beside on the side of the road and walking down the road with Jesus. And in our lives, even as Christians, we can be in a place where we're content with sitting by, by, the, by the road. Hey, 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 that's cool. Hey, Leonard, good. God bless you, brother. Wonderful. Hunter, that's wonderful. Hi, Carl. You know, and we can, all that kind of stuff, but we're not walking down the road with Jesus. There's a difference. And the difference is simply this, a willingness, as it were, to jump up and say, Nothing's stopping me from getting to Jesus. And once I get to Jesus, I'm sticking with him. I'm not leaving. And no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, how long you've walked with God and so forth, there is always a temptation to, as it were, sit by the road. And doesn't mean you don't know stuff. Doesn't mean that you're not saved. I'm not talking about that aspect. I'm talking about your daily living existence. It's one thing to sit by the road and watch things pass by and, hey, that's cool, that's nice, you know, great, whatever. It's another thing to get up and start walking with Jesus and seeing what he's doing in the moment. Allowing him to begin to unfold who he is to us as we walk with him through it. So the question, and I could raise many of them, but one of the questions for me today is in the fact of saying, Gary, where am I? Am I on the side of the road? Am I walking down the road with Jesus? Lord, what am I holding on to? What do I need to let go? Lord, what am I continuing to yell out for of your help and your support and, your, and all that you are? Or am I being discouraged because I didn't see it happen right now? Hey, I went up last week and I had the prayer team pray with me and all, and nothing, nothing stinking happened. Okay, still the same. Piece of advice, get back up here this morning and have them pray again about that. Yeah. Say, well, yeah, doesn't that deny my faith? No, it doesn't. It exhibits your faith and reinforces it. Don't give up. 
Don't press back. Don't turn back because I didn't get all that I believe for God to want to do in my life. The things were totally turned around. Then get back up and pray. Whether it's here or you got somebody else that you pray with or whoever it might be. But the scripture is very plain and clear. We are to turn to God and seek him for an answer. And if we're not getting all that we need out of that, it is not wrong for you to turn to another brother and sister and say, would you pray with me? Because I believe that where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there. And when we begin to agree together, touching things, you're going to respond to that. So, Lord, I'm not going to be denied of getting the response I need from you. I'm going to press in to get it. That needs to be our heart, where we let that cry come out. Besides, can you see the example that that exhibits? That, that when I'm willing to come along with somebody and I begin to ask their partnership through a situation that I'm facing, I'm dealing with, and we watch God do that, can you catch how that looks with people that are looking on and checking it all out and seeing hey, what's going on with them, you know, what's happening, and uh, why do they keep trusting, why do they keep praying, why do they keep believing in God? Can you get the picture of that, the dramatic example it offers to people to say, don't give up? Don't give up. So there's an example to be shown to one another that will bless and help each other as they seek to walk with and in the Lord. There's a lot of things in here. And maybe I covered what you found, maybe I didn't, and that's fine. But I want you, if more than anything else that you get out of this message is this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you from his word? If he inspired that, and he did. If he enabled the writers to write it, and he did. And he breathed on it the life of God. Then Holy Spirit, what are you saying in this or any other scripture for me that I need right now? My pattern usually is when I read through the scriptures, I try to choose each year a different translation. I just want to read it in a different format, different way, see it from a different vantage point. And so I was interested in going back at previous times when I've read this portion of scripture. And it was fascinating to see what things I had marked in other translations. And some of them were the same, some of them were different, but just the wording of it, the way it presented it, way it offered it, began to tune in to where I'm at, into my situation. That may be something you consider or not, whatever. But my point is just what is the Holy Spirit saying, as the scripture says, to the church, to you and me? What is he saying? That's really what you're doing in 260. You're really coming along saying, Lord, I just read this portion of scripture. What do you really want to pinpoint out, point out to me here and show me? And it may be a couple of words. It may be a whole verse. It could be any number of phrase or whatever it might be. But what is God saying to you in your life right now? That's the important thing. Then take that and let the Holy Spirit develop it in you and invite him to do that in your life. So it's more than just something you read, something that you noted in a book Oh, okay, good. I got my 260 reading done. I wrote down my stuff and all that and the application. Praise God. Next page. No, God, I want to live in this. I want this to be a part of who I am and how I live and live it out 
for myself and those around me to notice and see and recognize about who Jesus is, that I'm not giving up in seeing and receiving all that he has to offer. So as I said, Barnabas would have been a man we never would have heard of had he not yelled out for help from Jesus. He didn't do it for that purpose. It wasn't for notoriety. It wasn't for anything that said, oh, hey, if I yell out, maybe I'll get in one of the Gospels. You know, he made three. Made three Gospels. Whew, pretty good. Yeah. That wasn't his motivation. He was just so desperate to say, I will not be denied. And I'm going to press into Jesus to receive what I need. What is it that you, you need to do that with today? You know, perhaps you're online or you're with us on the present. And you might be able to say, Gary, you know, sounds good. Interesting stuff that you're talking about and saying and all that. <clears throat> Not sure what to do with all that. May I suggest to you that it may be an opportunity for you to be able to say, Jesus, would you just come and be a part of my life? I want to get away from being beside the road and I want to get on the road with you. We call that salvation. We call that, you know, inviting Jesus to be your Savior and the Lord of your life. But however you want to phrase it is fine. You cry out to Jesus. And you might be there. And in a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you that if you're, you're here or you're uh, online and you're watching, that you might just open up your heart and just say, okay, Jesus, if you're real, then show that and reveal that to me. And I want to offer my life to you and receive your life into my life. And for me, you to guide me and direct my life. You may also be here today and you might say, Gary, I, I've been crying out to God or I need to start crying out to God about this in my life. Then quit letting this remain all bottled up in here, in here, and start allowing it to be released with somebody else and just begin to say, would you partner with me? I'm coming to Jesus. <laughs> And together, we're going to see God bring forth what he needs to into our lives. Take advantage of these dear people. And Lisa, and if your team and all can come on up, that um, you take advantage of the opportunity of having them pray with you. They don't have all the answers for everything, but that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to agree with you to reach out to Jesus. And we're going to believe Jesus is going to reach out to you as well in a unique and special way. Bartimaeus, he did what everybody told him not to do. He kept pressing in and pressing in and pressing in. And Jesus met him. And then he made a second choice, and that was to begin to go and walk on the road with Jesus. I don't have enough. I didn't get enough. I want more in my life than what I've received so far, and that is my healing for my eyes. Now I need more. Maybe there's more that you need to say to the Lord. Lord, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at right now. And that could consist of many different aspects. But that you would come along and say, I'm not satisfied, Lord. I want more. I want more from you. I want more of who you are. I want more of your character, more of your life. Maybe you're here as well, and this may be new language to you or verbiage and all for you. But you might be here. You might say, hey, I've heard about the Holy Spirit, and I'd really like to find out how to open up to receive more of who he is into my life.
These folks would be happy to pray with you and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to more fully bring himself to bear into your life and your heart and guide you with what he has. God loves you. God cares about you. God has a plan for your life. Sounds all nice stuff, but it's true. He really does. And you just need to reach out and respond to his invitation to reach toward him. Let's pray. Jesus, we open our hearts up right now. Lord, there may be those here right now that are in this room, maybe in the courtyard, perhaps online. Lord, they're just saying, God, I'm not sure exactly what all to do with all of this that I've heard. But if you're real, then I would like to experience who you are into my life. And Lord, I would ask that there would just come a display and a manifestation of your presence to each person like that right now. They would just sense the reality of your presence surrounding them. And God, for their hearts to be open to you and just say, okay, God, you can have my life. I want you. I want you in my life. And to invite the Lord just to simply forgive them of their sin and turn to you and say, hey, God, show me how to live life because I don't know how. The way I've been doing it hasn't worked. I want to try your way now. And Lord, let there be just a freshness and awareness. And Lord, for each of us, wherever, Holy Spirit, you are talking to us from your word that you inspired, that you gave to men to write, and they did, and then you breathed on it, the breath of the living God. Lord, let that breath breathe into us as we read and study your word and let it become alive in us and to us. God, you create the questions within us that we need to ask ourselves that will better apply your word into everyday living. So Lord, I pray that blessing and that revelation come on each one of us so that Lord, you will hear, we know you will hear our cry as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? I'd like you like to do one thing. I like to take scripture, and I do this with myself, and just begin to bring an application of, it, of God's blessing of it to be released into my life. Would you allow me to do that? A couple of you? Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to do it on all of you anyway. <laughs> But seriously, I want to pray that you will continue to cry out for the mercy of God to be shown over you. May you not allow other people or circumstances to stand in your way from getting to Jesus. May you be willing to leave behind anything that Jesus shows you to leave behind. And as Jesus speaks his words of health and wholeness over you, May you be ready to choose to walk down the road with him each day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Your love, folks. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this time.